0: Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Good morning. It's good to see you. Yeah, I need to be kind of sentimental for a second, so you just kind of have to bear with me because occasionally like, it just kind of comes over me. Um, through the week... Like, a, at random times, think about, like, several of you, where you are in life, like, what's going on, uh, the challenges that you're facing or that you've called or texted or said, you know, hey, pray for this or pray for that. Um, and and, and those, things are, those things are really cool, and I, and I appreciate those things. But sometimes I get to thinking about and I had this conversation um, the other day uh, with, with a gal. Sometimes I forget that some of you come from places that by all rights and reasons means you should not be here. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's, it's, it was your life, it was where you grew up. Sometimes it was the family religion uh, that you were a part of. And then somehow you ended up here. You ended up in a place to where you're growing in your relationship with Christ, not to suggest you weren't then, but you just kind of moved into another area of your life. And that is like, that's so brave. Like that's so courageous to kind of break off and kind of go be your own person. And so for you who've, like, come from a place that you really don't, like, how you got here is kind of a big deal. Um, you know, we don't, bring, we don't bring enough attention to that. So I, I want you to know I think about that and I appreciate that about you. So uh, just bill me for the therapy. <laughs> just bill me. Send it to the church. Which probably means you'll pay it. So Luke chapter 7, we are talking about Jesus' stories. Uh, we just finished up the book of Mark now we moved into the book of luke and one of the things we've talked about with the book of luke is luke is very very good at pointing to the down and out the marginalized groups of people that by all rights and reasons do not belong in the presence of jesus they do not they're not deserving of his touch or his care where the culture was kind of mixed up and they were in a place to where women were second-class citizens Jesus in the gospel of Luke takes special interest in the fact that women came to Jesus Takes special interest in Gentiles coming to Jesus he will make the Samaritan the the uh, spiritual half-breed of of Judaism of back then uh, he will make them the hero of the story that's a powerful powerful thing Uh, Luke's Jesus is portrayed a little bit differently uh, with some with some kind of new insights and nuances that we don't see in a lot of the other gospel writers in the other three gospel writers. Speaking of Gentiles, last week we talked about Jesus healing the servant of a Gentile, but more specifically, the Gentile was a Roman centurion. What we talked about was with the Roman occupation that had moved into Israel, into this whole area, and had kind of just taken over on the politics side, They taken over on the taxation side for Jesus to step out and to heal the servant of a Roman centurion these are the bad guys for Jesus to take extra special notice of this servant is really a big deal that should bring light into our life to know that if you show up here and you think to yourself I'm not real deserving of being with Jesus or being around other Christians. Uh, You're exactly where you need to be in the presence of Jesus and with other people who are broken maybe just differently than you are broken. So don't get weirded out about that deal. There's a thing that happens inside of churches and inside of religion all the time to where people begin to feel like they need to polish up real good so that they can come to God. I got to knock all this stuff off so I can come to God. I got to stop drinking. I got to stop screwing around on the internet. I got to stop mess I got to stop messing with these other people. I got to stop fighting. I got to stop doing all these things. Then then I can come to Jesus. Here's the thing that we talk about all the time here. Just keep coming to church. Just keep coming. I promise you something. I promise you this. If you try to stay inside of your sin and you keep coming to church, inevitably one or two things will happen. You will stop coming to church or you will change because you cannot continue to be in the presence of God and him not at some point move into your life and start rearranging your furniture for you. Am I right? We see it all the time. People come in like, look, I don't believe half this crap, all right? I'm not, I'm not buying it. Okay, well then don't come back. If you keep coming back, things are going to get jacked up. Jesus is going to start messing with you and you don't play nice, you know? You just don't play nice. He'll start messing with your life. So what do you do? Keep coming back. Well, I really, want to, I really want to change. Just keep coming back. I can't get over this thing. Keep coming back. That makes all the difference in the world. Makes all the difference in the world. Last week, we talked about the Roman centurion servant. Today, we talk about what happened on the following day. The following day, Luke chapter 7, starting in verse <clears throat> 11. I want to read you this passage. <clears throat> Soon afterward... Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. The crowd is now buzzing around Jesus. They watched him heal a guy from a distance who he never met. And it was reported back to them like, Jesus just like said some stuff and healed a guy that he's never even seen. Like that's pretty wicked cool, you know, like that's pretty cool. And so now all of a sudden these people are just attaching to Jesus and they're overflowing with excitement. They love this new rabbi. They love this teacher. When he speaks, it's compassionate. It hits him in the heart. But when he does a, like a mighty work, when he does a miracle, he speaks even louder of God's compassion, and these people are bubbling over with questions and needs. And as they follow him, leaving the area and moving to a place they were in Capernaum, And they leave Capernaum and they go to a place called Nain. It's a little known town. Uh, They say it's around 20 miles away from there, so it's a day's walk. And so all these people travel with Jesus. They just want to be in his presence. Do you remember Forrest Gump when Forrest Gump just starts running? And then, like, everybody's just kind of running with him. And, like, the bumper stickers and the t shirts and all the stuff is going on. And then one day, he's in the middle of the road. He's just running with this gnarly castaway beard, you know? And he's there and he's just running and he just stops. And everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like he's going to speak, like he's going to say something. Like, whoa, 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 what is it? What is it? And everybody just stops right there in the road. This is exactly what happens here. This whole mass of people is following, and then all of a sudden they just start bumping into each other. Whoa, hey, watch it. Whoa, 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 watch it. Watch it. Shh, 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 shh. And from the front to the back, the shushing starts. Shh. You remember that kid, first grade? You push him down on the playground for shushing you, right? Shh idiot, don't push, don't shush me, you know. So these guys are shushing, and they're shushing each other all the way back. Why? What's the problem? What's the problem? Like, t- quiet. And all of a sudden, everybody in the group goes from this normal, hey Jesus, hey Jesus, to to So the people in the back, looking through a sea of heads, trying to figure out what in the world is going on up there. All of a sudden, they notice there's a procession of people that's crossing in front of them, in this little bitty town, right at the city gate. Jesus shows up, and he stops. Everybody kind of pays their condolences. They put their head down. And this procession of people comes walking by. And there are people in the front, and they're carrying a coffin. It's not really a coffin like an enclosed coffin. It's a plank, large plank of wood. And they're carrying on top of this plank of wood a young man following behind the young man. You can see the cemetery on the hill in the distance, up that just that, that, that path that goes there, that the heavy trudging road that anybody who goes down it, anybody who goes down it, it forever changes your life. And then following behind the coffin, attached but with heartstrings to the coffin, to the plank where this young man is, is a lone woman, a hunched back. She's, she's older. She's kind of bent over. One arthritic hand is holding her scarf to her head. The other one is over her mouth and nose as she she streams tears down her face. She shudders trying to catch her breath. And then Luke writes this. It was her only begotten son. And she herself was a widow. Her sorrowful story is more than just the loss of a child the loss of a spouse. Nobody there for support. When you go through things that are hard, it is so, so difficult to see the future. It's amazing what it does. It just, it, you go through a difficult thing and it blinds you to everything else, completely blinds you. When I, when I tore my Achilles six or seven months ago and I had surgery. I had several phone calls and people who wanted to talk and meet, and I made appointments with them, and they're still waiting for me to show up to those appointments. Some of you are probably them, waiting for me to call you back. Why? Because you go blind to everything else around you when you go through something that is difficult, and it's hard to see what the future is supposed to look like. It's hard to see what tomorrow's supposed to look like when you go through a broken relationship, when something's wrong with your kids, when you lose somebody who you love. It's hard to see what's on the other side of that. It's hard to put all of life together. How do you build a future on upturned soil that's setting in front of a tombstone? I don't know. How do you build a future in that? It's tough to see. But here's the good news. Luke writes right here check this out as he approached the town gate a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother and she was a widow and a large crowd from the town was with her and when the Lord saw her his heart went out to her you see sometimes we can't see what's out there but can I tell you this he sees you he sees us he sees your pain great or small he sees your pain he looks at your situation. He notices it. The word, and that he was moved with compassion. His heart went out to her. This is the word stomachache. This, this is the word brokenheartedness, shortness of breath, and empathy. Jesus Christ felt for this woman. The disciples were very confused, as were the people in the procession walking by. People in the procession walking by look up and see this mass of people just marching into their town and then suddenly stop. When's the last time that's happened here? You know what it's like when bicyclists come through? And you think, 10 points each, you know? You don't really think that. That's terrible. <laughs> you really do think that, but that's terrible It's probably the best way to And all of a sudden these people are just here why are they here and then jesus confuses the crowd that's following him even more because he breaks from the crowd and walks over you can see the disciples they're kind of puzzled they look at each other like should we go or no or stay Or like what should we do and jesus just walks over and he walks beside this woman down the darkest road she will ever walk do you need to know that do you need to know that where you are He walks with you. His heart goes out to you. He sees your pain. Do you need to hear that? It's true. He's walking with you. I feel betrayed, Jared. Jesus has felt like that before. And he's with you, and he sees your pain, and he walks with you. He's been betrayed as well. He can give you the strength to get through it. And then Jesus says to her, don't cry. I'm not an archer. I'm not a bow hunter. Um, I've shot a bow a few times, but I'm I'm not great at it. I've always enjoyed it, but there's well-documented facts that state the people around me have not always enjoyed when I have been shooting a bow. I was a fourth grader, and my dad had bought me a blue fiberglass compound bow, And it was, pretty, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It would shoot about a half a city block in the air. Um, and so any arrow that he had that was missing, is it called fletching? The fletching? Mm-hmm. It was missing the fletching or it was a little bit bent he would give to me, take the broadhead out, give it to me so I wouldn't hurt myself. And I had these little blunt tipped arrows, they became mine. And I would just walk around with them, just, I wish I had a quiver. I always wanted a quiver, like <laughs> all Robin Hood, but I didn't. So I had, like two, two arrows, you know, and this little blue compound. The reason I say it would go a half a city block um, in the air was because that is precisely the distance um, apart from where I was standing and the point of contact when the arrow took off timmy's uh, sister's eyebrow um, in in our yard is the exact point of contact um, which exposed two great facts actually number one heck of a shot right <laughs> heck of a shot number two um, i'm probably gonna die before she dies yeah. uh, I'm probably gonna die before she dies my 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 dad will my dad's gonna kill me um, i drew i drew the the, the, the bow back and when I or the arrow back and when, and when I let go it just went flying through the air now in my mind it was on a on a, on a line right but I'm sure it was like this like <laughs> it's flying out there, and it was a dumb deal but I was a fourth grader so cut me some slack and it comes right through and just clips Timmy's sister's eyebrow seeing that she was mortally wounded and she was taking off for the front steps I immediately thought to myself she needs to be stopped you know? No, I didn't put an... Did, Did you knock another arrow in? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't draw. I didn't draw down on her. I, I... She took off. She's adrenaline enraged. She's got some sort of, I don't know what's happened here. And she's screaming bloody murder and she's headed for the house. That is going to be the death of me if she makes it to the front steps before, but I'm fast and I beat her. So when I get there, and she's approaching the steps, and I'm stopping her, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's check this out. Let's do this outside. Let's check this out right now. Maybe we don't need to go see somebody about this whole thing. And I said, let me take a look. And I pulled her hand down. And when I pulled her hand down, her eyebrow fell down. (laughs) It just fell down. Just (coughs) fell down. And now, in retrospect, the words that I spoke to her right then really didn't fit very well. Um, and I said, "Don't cry. <laughs> Dude, don't cry. You know, not because I'm. I, I want you to feel better. Don't don't cry any louder than you're crying now. Don't bring somebody from indoors to." She pushed by me. She went inside, and so then Timmy, then Timmy and his family immediately left the state. <laughs> true, true story immediately left the state and I think it was like where did we move? like this is backwoods whatever I just got w- wounded and I remember standing in the kitchen and my dad is looking at me and he's fuming but he's not he's not doing a stereotypical like his, his dad thing that he used to do like boy like, and then, and then you hear the belt flap <laughs> that deal you know and that was it, and that wasn't it. And I remember just being so terrified and so scared at one point, looking down, and I'm, I'm serious, like as a fourth grader, looking down at my own leg, and I'm going, my leg is shaking by itself. Like I am absolutely terrified. This is a terrifying, terrifying moment. Don't cry is a statement with merit. It has merit when you're speaking to a child. Who's oh, it's all right, little one, it's alright. Don't cry. Shh 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 shh. That's a don't cry moment when the little ones come running in ah, in the middle of a storm and like, oh, it's okay. Hey, 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 hey. It's good. Go back to bed. It's just thunder. Don't cry. Don't cry. But when you're at a funeral and the lone mother of this baby, of this young man, is sitting there and Jesus walks up to her and he says, don't cry. Seems out of place. Don't cry. Don't cry. It's good. Don't cry. It's good. Mom, it's making it. Come, it. it's good. But when you say don't cry in a situation like that, a situation like this at this funeral, it seems as if you're saying, do not, do not have those emotions about that situation. It's not that big a deal. Like you're trying to remove something, and you can't. What's interesting. Jesus says don't cry he turns and he catches up with the coffin that they're carrying down the road and Jesus does the unthinkable he walks up and he takes his hand and he grabs a hold of the casket now listen if you had a yarmulke on then you would understand why in the world that's a no-no don't come in contact with things that are dead, or with dead people, with other dead things. You don't touch that stuff, you're gonna become ceremonially unclean. You don't want this. Now, is it a sin? No, but you will be deemed unclean. And Jesus runs the risk of being unclean, which is kind of a crazy statement. When he reaches, there's an immediate reaction. The people who are standing by carrying this casket He he reaches up and he puts his hand on and when he does, they all stop. Luke writes it, and they stopped. You can see the shock around the people. And then Jesus looks at the man laying, the young man laying on on the casket, and he says, Young man, I say to you, arise. Luke writes, The dead man sat up and began to talk do you catch the subtle sarcasm that Luke writes with he didn't he called him the young man right the young man the young man and then we get here after he's already resurrected he's come back to life this revivication that he has and Luke writes and the dead man sat up because you know what happens when you come in contact with Jesus you come alive again there's a picture of our salvation unfolding right here in this story. And there's times in my life to where what I need Jesus to do again for me for the millionth time is to say, young man, arise. Young man. The word in the Greek is wake up. Wake up. Young man, wake up. Are there times in your life to where you need Jesus to like step in and go, yo, wake up. Joe? yeah, I don't even know. I, was just, I don't know what was happening. I wake up. And this man comes alive. Now, I need, to, I need to share my unmedicated moment with you for just a second, all right? This man wakes up and just starts talking. Did you read this? This is so good. Young man, I say to you, wake up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. There are parts of Scripture that I can read and appreciate, take them in, and then I can let them go, and I can move on. And that's all right. That's what It's good. But then there's parts of scripture that I so desperately wish I was present for so I could see. So let me tell you what the first thing that happened in my mind when I was reading this before I realized that the coffin really wasn't in a closed coffin. He says to the dead man, wake up. And the man woke up and hit his head on the casket lid on the deal. That's what happened inside my head. Boom. Like that, and you could hear it. And everybody was there was like, oh, like that. Like this is what happened inside my head when I'm reading this. And I've read this before. And I think the same thing every time. Young man, wake up. Oh, Oh, and everybody's like, oh, should have opened it, you know? Like, didn't think about that. At least open the half, the top half, you know, like that one. And then he just starts talking, and what did he say? Someone put the goats away. You know, like did he? Was it just like stumbling from sleep? You know how you do sometimes? You stumble from sleep, and as you're coming out, you're just saying stuff. Like there's a traffic cone out there. That guy went a five dollars. You what are you saying? You know? What are you saying? Was it like that? So I did a little research. Maybe, maybe he's looking at Jesus. He's just like, yo, dude, five more minutes, dirt all over my face. Man, I'm glad you came, you know? <laughs> so glad you made it. Like, that would have been bad. You're my man right, right here. My, my man. Um, and so, so I looked into this word. Like, what does talk mean? And, and here's what I found out. <laughs> it, means, it means talk. Like there's nothing special about the word talk until until it moves into the New Testament. All the other Greek documents that we have with the word talk, it means talk until you move it into Christendom. Soon as it moves into the New Testament, the word changes, and all of a sudden it takes on a brand new meaning. This is powerful. This now means when somebody speaks and they have been renewed by Christ, something is happening inside of the world. Something spiritual is happening. It means, check this out, Proclaim, whisper, or tell. You know what I think? I think when this young man woke up and he started talking, I think this is exactly what you see happening in our day and age now. Somebody has a near-death experience and they cannot shut up, am I right? They're gonna get a book deal. It's gonna come out on tape. You're gonna read it on your Kindle. They're gonna be on Oprah, right? There's no shutting up. Because once you come from the crossover and you come back to this place, all of a sudden you're like, I cannot shut up. I was in heaven once. Uh, okay, well, what's your name, you know? That's Tom, but I was in heaven once. Okay, fantastic. You're making it weird for everyone else. Like, so stop, you know? And I think this man woke up and began to proclaim and testify and give testimony to like, listen. If you could see what I just saw, you would not be moaning and groaning and, and complaining. You would not even feel the way you feel. Here's what I've learned in the last 12 hours of me being dead, me being in heaven, as I never felt more alive in all of my life. Because one second in the very presence of God will undo a lifetime of pain. And I think he began to talk and to testify and to proclaim the truth of what had happened in his life. And I think if he were here today, this is what he would say. Have you lost someone who is close to you? Do you miss them? Is your heart heavy from carrying around this coffin full of memories? (laughs) Don't cry. Don't cry. Because it is so okay. It is so okay. They are better off than you. It's okay. Don't cry. This life is but a vapor. And it says immediately, the people were filled with awe. Verse 16 they were filled with awe and praised god a great prophet has appeared among us they said god has come to help his people it says they were filled with all the word filled means to receive with initiative or assertiveness meaning i come to get i choose to receive this i choose to accept this thing this is really cool and this is where it kind of messes up our life Jesus performs a miracle. And you know what you do not read in Scripture? Nobody said, Thank you, Jesus. He was like my bestest friend ever. You don't get anything from the mother either, do you? She doesn't show up and say, Jesus, thank you. You know, that was my only son. And had, had he been gone, I wouldn't have been protected and no one would have been able to take care of me. Because that's what you do in, the, in, in, in Judaism. And, and so it's just, I'm so glad. You don't hear this. All eyes shift from the miracle to the miracle maker. This is where it comes into our life and begins to just devastate the structure of the way we are built. Where do you find your joy? In the blessings that God has given you or from the very person of God himself who has given you these blessings? Where do you find your comfort? In the things that God has given you or in God himself? Do you stand in the presence of miracles and then turn your attention to the miracle worker or do you just still gaze at the miracle? You see, there was a choice that happened right here. And the choice was they could completely walk away, take their boy, give Jesus the thank you, Jesus, you're the best. We're going to get some bracelets made. WWJD, we're out of here. You know, like they could do this. Go back to living their life. But you know what they did? They turned and they focused on Jesus Christ. Where do you find your joy? Is it in your work? Is it in your stuff? Is that where your joy comes in? Is that what fills your heart? Is that the thing you run to? What is the thing you, th- that gives you joy? Is it your children? Oh, that's a good one. Children are good. There's nothing wrong with loving children, right? But if they become the source of your joy, I got some bad news for you in like mm, 13 years or so. (laughs) It ain't going to be awesome. You're going to find no joy there, you know? Oh, there'll be flashes of it, and it's awesome and wonderful and fantastic. And then like all of a sudden, like things change. And if it's not 13, it's 15. If it's not 15, it's 18. If it's not 18, then there's, I don't know, right? Where well, do you find your joy? Because you have a choice to make. Do you, have, you ever, have, you ever thought, have you ever thought this before? Like, there's a reason that God does not answer some of our prayers. Because the minute he gives me what I'm asking for, I will forget him. I promise you that. I want the miracle, so dadgum bad, I will take my eyes completely off of Jesus. And me and the young man, we just high-five, like, thanks for bringing my best friend back, Jesus. And we just give thump deuces, and we go. And I'll be done with Jesus until something else falls apart and I'll show back up. There's a reason He doesn't give us what we want, because He wants to hold our attention. His preservation for our salvation is what it is. We have to learn how to be content in Him and in Him alone. We have to learn how to find our peace in Him and Him alone. And if you showed up here today and your heart is heavy, you beat down, you're worn out, you got this empty spot where you've lost somebody you got these things in your life that you point all your focus to. Maybe it's time you make a choice. Maybe it's time you make the same choice that the people of Nain made on that same day to where they chose to assertive with volition, reach out and to accept what Jesus was offering. And they said, God has come to save his people. And I'll tell you, he's doing the same thing today. He's reaching out, he came to save people. people if you need to make a decision a decision for Jesus then you need to let somebody know if you were trapped and you were hung up and that you because life gets tangled right can we be real for a second life gets tangled and we can do our hair real nice and we can put on a clean shirt we can find some shoes right we can walk in somewhere and look like a million dollars holding it together with your makeup and all that right and then you can walk out this door and you can know that you get into the cab of a car with somebody who you're not sure you love. You go home to a house to where there is no peace. You go to a job to where you are completely broke down and busted believing God has something better for you. This is the way we are. And if we get real and we get honest then what we really need is to take our eyes off of the miracle and to step into the grace of Jesus Christ. This is, this is Jesus' words. My yoke is easy My burden is light. Come to me. I will give you rest. Another place he says, I have come to give you life and give it abundantly. What are you missing? What do you need? What do you need in your life? Don't just cry. Don't cry. But cry out to Jesus.